Welcome to Senior News Daily, a podcast for seniors who ain't dead yet. I'm Howard Englander, reporting from the editorial offices of our sister digital newspaper, the SeniorNewsDaily.com, where each day we search the internet for news of interest to our generation of men and women of retirement age, covering health and financial news, politics, interpreting the stories from the national press for their relevance to those of us of retirement age, and also reporting the events of particular interest to our generation. When it comes to politics, we lean neither to the right or the left, no agenda other than uh, advocating for seniors. And one editorial note before we get uh, started, our generation really has seen it all, and we're seeing it all over again. The stories making headlines in the national and international news are not specifically stories about seniors, but we can't ignore them because they're making the front pages because of things we did or didn't do during our time as the nation's leaders. And this then essentially is a reminder. We seniors are not couch cushions with the stuffing worn out. We still have a say and an obligation to act responsibly. Speaking of acting responsibly, let's tell it like it is. Unvaccinated patients at America's hospitals are putting seniors who are patients there at risk. I mean, take this as an example. If a hospital is short on beds or mechanical ventilators, they can If a hospital is short on beds or mechanical ventilators. They can prioritize care for patients who are seen as more likely to respond to care and survive, meaning a 26-year-old COVID-19 patient with no underlying health conditions would be prioritized for care over a 90-year-old patient with lung failure and other mechanical problems. As of Monday morning, more than 96,000 hospital beds are filled with COVID-19 patients nationwide contributing to the 77% of all hospital beds across the country being currently in use. This is according to data from the U.S. Department of Health and and Public Services. About 80% of intensive care unit beds are filled. When hospitals run out of beds or when staffing is low, tough decisions must be made on which patients get to be first in line for care. So again, that's where we seniors are at risk. Get ready to hug and kiss the grandkids. Pfizer said Monday its COVID-19 vaccine works for children ages 5 to 11 and that it will seek U.S. authorization and that it will seek U.S. authorization and that it will seek U.S. authorization for this age group soon, a key step towards beginning vaccinations for youngsters. The vaccine made by Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech, already is available for anyone 12 and older. But with kids now back in school and the extra contagious Delta variant causing a huge jump in pediatric infections, many parents are anxiously awaiting vaccinations for their younger children. For elementary school age kids, Pfizer tested a much lower dose, a third of the amount that's in each shot given now. Yet, after their second dose, children ages 5 to 11 
develop coronavirus fighting antibody levels just as strong as teenagers and young adults getting the regular strength shots. A Pfizer senior vice president told the Associated Press, the kid dosage has proved safe with similar or fewer temporary side effects, such as sore arms and fever or achiness that teens experience, he said. I like that headline. Get ready to hug and kiss the grandkids. Well, you know the uh, expression seniors rule, <laughs> but wait, <laughs> maybe that's a problem. Japan's seniors accounted for 29% of its population as of this month and 13.5% of its labor force in 2020. Both are record highs. But the government data showed further evidence of a rapidly graying society. The number of people aged 65 or older in the country, Japan, which has the world's oldest population, by the way, totaled a record high 36.5 million up 220,000 from a year earlier, according to the data by the Ministry of Internal Affairs and Communications. Well, the ratio of seniors remained well above 23.5% in Italy, the second most aged society, followed by 23% in Portugal. So there's definitely an aging situation going on around the world, which ultimately will have quite an economic effect as the labor forces shrink. Back in Japan, the number of Japanese men aged 65 and older stood at almost 16 million, while that of women came to 20 and a half million, this men and women aged 65 and older. By the way, 80,000 centenarians are alive, 80,000 Japanese men and women over age 100. By 2025, Japan's elderly will make up 30% of the population and 35% in the year 2040. You know it's getting too expensive to grow old? <laughs> Long-term care in particular has spiraled out of reach. The cost of aging in America, specifically for middle-income earners, has been spiraling out of control for years. But as the first boomers reach 75 this year, the financial reality of long-term care needs is moving front and center. Seven out of 10 people will need long-term care during their lifetime whether that's someone in the home to help with activities like bathing and dressing, a skilled nursing facility to recover after a hip replacement or assisted living or nursing home care when living at home is, is no longer possible. The problem is simple, affordability. Most people in the 25,000 to 95,000 income bracket are considered middle income. Pretty amazing, $95,000 and you're considered middle income. They usually cannot afford to pay privately for long-term care. Instead, they must rely on a network of family and friends, community-based services, and frankly, just plain luck. A majority do not have long-term care insurance, which would offset some of the costs of non-medical care. Compared with today's older adults, they'll have lower retirement savings, fewer pensions to help mitigate future care costs. And it's likely that Medicare, the federal state program for low-income older Americans needing long-term care, will eventually bear a higher share of the costs. Currently, about 8 million middle-income people aged 75 and older are caught in the gap between those who qualify for Medicare and ones wealthy enough to comfortably pay for in-home care or quality-assisted living or continuing care retirement community. Like I said, 
it's getting too expensive to grow old in America. Well, here is one benefit of growing older. A U.S. panel backs COVID-19 boosters only for seniors and high risk. In Israel, where the third shot has been given, it was reported that the booster dose improves protection tenfold against infection in people 60 and older. It's like a fresh vaccine bringing protection back to original levels and helping Israel dampen severe cases in the fourth wave. That's the report from, from Israel. Representatives for Pfizer argued that it is important to start shoring up immunity before protection begins to erode. A company study of 44,000 people, which is large enough to qualify as reliable, showed effectiveness against symptomatic COVID-19 was 96% two months after the second dose, but it had dropped to 84% by around six months, thus the need for the booster shot. But the main message was the importance of getting everyone to get at least two doses. As the Center for Disease Control emphasized, at this moment, it is clear that the unvaccinated are driving transmission in the United States. Thinking about retiring to Florida or a state with a warmer climate? Well, you may have to change those plans. Climate change could push more than 200 million people to leave their homes in the next three decades and create migration hotspots unless urgent action is taken to reduce global emissions and bridge the development gap. A report published earlier this week examined how the impacts of slow-onset climate change, such as water scarcity, decreasing crop productivity, and rising sea levels, could lead to millions of what they call climate migrants by the year 2050. Under the most pessimistic scenario, with an elevated level of emissions and unequal development, the report forecasts up to 216 million people moving within their own countries. The report also warns that migration hotspots could appear within the next decade and intensify by 2050. So planning is needed both in the areas where people will move to and in the areas they leave to help those who remain. Remember reading the Flash Gordon comic and listening to The Purple People Eater by Shep Woolley? That was the number one novelty song that uh, topped the U.S. Billboard charts in the summer of 1958. The Purple People Eater. <laughs> well, this stuff might be real. In June, the U.S. government published a long-awaited report into unidentified flying objects. Although the report did not, as many had hoped, admit to the existence of the little green men, it did reveal that not only were objects appearing in our skies that the Pentagon could not explain, but some clearly posed a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. The Pentagon also revealed that it has been taking UFOs so seriously that in 2007, it discreetly set up the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which has been gathering data on unexplained aerial phenomena, as it's called, ever since. The unclassified version of the report found no clear indications that there is any non-terrestrial explanation for the sightings. But hey, neither did they rule it out. A songbird of our generation is silenced. Jane Powell, who starred in Hollywood's Golden Age musicals, has died. Powell sang with Howard Keel in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers 
and danced with Fred Astaire in Royal Wedding, among other 20th century films. Jane Powell performed virtually her whole life, starting at age five as a singing prodigy on radio in Portland, Oregon. She made her first movie at age 16 and graduated from teenage roles to co-starring in those lavish musical productions through the mid-1950s. Jane Powell was 92 years old when she died at her longtime home in Connecticut. A songbird silenced. How about a list of the 500 greatest songs of all time? Agree or disagree with the ranking, but the songs all are great. And number one, by the way, was Respect, sung by Aretha Franklin. It's one of the most widely read stories in that magazine's history. It was viewed hundreds of millions of times. Since 16 years has passed since the original publication of the 500 graded songs, Rolling Stone decided to give the list a total reboot. And to create the updated version of the Rolling Stone 500, they convened the poll of more than 250 artists, musicians, and producers, as well as figures from the music industry and leading critics and journalists. So they each sent in a, a ranked list of their top 50 songs, nearly 4,000 songs received votes, and where the 2004 version of the list was dominated by early rock and roll and soul, the new edition contains more hip-hop, country music, indie rock, Latin pop, reggae, and R&B. As for me, I hardly do recognize any of the top 500 artists. It's the old songs that keep me <laughs> interested. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of the Senior News uh, Daily. To get uh, the paper delivered to your, your inbox, go to the internet and uh, check out the link to www.seniornewsdaily.com. Subscribe. It's free, all free, and you'll get the uh, daily newspaper delivered to your, to your inbox. Again, thanks for listening. Until next time.